The True Tone Lounge podcast features audio-only versions of our video interviews. To view those, please visit truetonelounge.com or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash truetonefx. Tell us about playing on a, on a session, and how do you get beyond just playing guitar and actually playing the song and, and being you know, musical? Here, we don't know who the artist is a lot of times till we get there, but uh, a lot of times a songwriter, if, they, if they're sitting around just playing some, you know, or something, and we go, that sounds, you know, that's, that could be such and such, we could do it like that, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about where, who they like and who inspired them to write that, or we, we kind of get the personality of the, of the artist, and then okay. we'll sit down and, and, and try to interpret that and play something that we might not ordinarily think we were going to play with when we got there. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of profound, deep thinking about, you know, you don't okay. just don't do something that's cliche. That, well, I was going, I brought this guitar, I'm going to play this, what, regardless of what, yeah. you, what your song is, this is what I'm doing. So if someone says that they're, you know, I, real, I was really thinking about Merle Haggard, you might make you play more like James Burton or Roy Nichols, while if someone says, you know, I really was thinking James Taylor, you might be thinking, you know, uh, Mike Landau or the earlier yeah, or earlier right. stuff with uh, Dan Dugmore or someone else. Yeah, Dan. So, so yeah. you know, a lot, a lot of times it's, it's about being a good historian, of yeah. knowing your music. You, you'd probably be good because you've got a good memory bank. And that's what it is, you know, it's just about understanding who the artist is, what they're going for, the personality, and what this song is about, what the lyric's about. You know, it's, if it's a tender lyric and it's it's personal or it's it's about uh, their job and, and the trials and tribulations of something, you know, then it makes you play a little different. Yeah. It's just, you gotta think deep about it. Yeah, there seems to be some psychology in this. There is, definitely, it's, 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 it's all seemed, psychological yeah. at, some, at some point. Yeah. That should be the producer's job is to be the liaison from the artist to you know, to convey to the musicians what she might want if she can't explain it in, in musical terms. Or what. And uh, that's a good producer. Yeah. When you're playing, uh, when you're playing fills or an intro, what are, you know, are some of these coming from just things that you've worked up? Or are they things that you will hum? Or, or, you know, like how do you come up with fills that are, you know, that, that you would play on a record? It's a combination of sounds, what the mm -hmm. guitar sounds like, and we'll, we'll bring a lot of different guitars to a session, you know? I mean, it's if I brought just a Tele and a Strat, I felt like, man, my hands are kind of tied already. Mm -hmm. I mean, this might require a Gretsch, kind of a retro Gretsch sound, and I wouldn't have that. Or it, it would require a 12-string Rickenbacker part, you know, would give this a flavor if, if they make reference to I want this to sound like the birds or something. You, you know, yeah. and then you get that out, and all of a sudden, this, the song is like taking an image. Mm -hmm. It's creating already. And so it's about, a lot of times, it's about guitars, and, and, you know, and uh, references that they, like I said earlier, what they make, who they, who they want to design the song after, whether, whether it's a folk song or they want to rock it up a little more. Mm -hmm. Leonard Skinner, Southern Rock, or Rolling Stones, these, these are common references in mm -hmm. country. Like, we hear them all the time. Coldplay. Right. <laughs> uh, the Stones. We want to stone, make a Stonesy, man. Stones it up, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, ACDC, all, all that stuff. Tom Petty. 
a lot. Yeah. But, it, but it, to me, it's comical how, you know, you're doing country records now and they're making reference to rock records. Mm -hmm. And to me, you know, country music's always been in awe of pop stars and rock stars. That's where we want to be, you know. Unless you're Merle Haggard or something. They go, I ain't doing that shit. <laughs> and we all go, yeah, Merle, you know. Yeah. But here's a funny story. Just um, uh, Mutt, uh, when Mutt Lang came, get back on Mutt, came to Nashville, everybody was pulling out their rock licks, man. They were like, you know, I think, well, he's gonna call me, man. Because yeah. I'm, I'm laying down some rock stuff here, baby. He's gonna love it. And he, he went, I don't, don't play, uh, don't go for the rock on, uh, you know Don Rich? Yeah. And we go, yeah? Yeah, I, I really like him. I, I wanna go for like a Buck Owens. And I thought, that's cool. He made references like Floyd Kramer, and I go, how's he? He knows his stuff, man. Because usually when producers come in, like I'm saying, they go, oh, we're going for a country Tom Petty. I always made a joke like Johnny Cash and Tom Petty, uh, like a Petty Cash kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> like a Petty Cash kind of thing. Yeah, yes. we make jokes, but that's that. Yeah. you hear that a lot, the references yeah. to pop and rock. It seems like uh, you know, country music kind of has uh, ebbs and flows and goes in different directions. Uh, you know, personally, I, I lament the fact that, you know, Telecaster playing is not really big in, in country music right now. It seems to be more, you know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, you know, I was, I was talking about that. Unless you're uh, uh, Vince Gill or Brad Paisa, you, yeah. then you can add picking into your song because yeah. you're the artist. Yeah. But it's, it's very rare. Yeah, it's stuff like, well, when you went to do a Ricky Skagg session, you better bring your game, baby. Because yeah. if, you, if you didn't amp it up and do some good stuff there. Albert Lee is gonna come in the next day and overdub on another song. He'll just do your spot, you know, and and what a guy to make you shake in your boots. Albert Lee coming yeah. in and following you. You know, so it was about a good, you know, and I'm not saying that there's no good guitar players now. Yeah. It's just, it's not as, you're right, it's, it's not about the solo now. In fact, a lot of songs are, are trying to do, a lot of Records are trying to do away with solos. You know, it's like we don't have time for solos now. It's it's just it's a distraction yeah. of the so, record. So is is it because they uh, they want to have more more lyrics in there, or they want the songs to be shorter? Yeah, well, I mean, they, they do surveys or something. They find that people lose interest and change the channel if there's a solo in the middle of a you know, and they go this this is this is a study. Yes. A very non-musical study. It's very yes. analytical. Yes. Uh, it's it's kind of like that. I mean, yeah. back in here was a song. You know, we did. I'm in love with the waitress. I don't even know her name. Yes. The whole thing was like an instrumental. It was unheard of. I, I I thought that surely can't be a single. And by gosh, it was a single, and it was on the radio, and it was like mainly me on the the thing. You know, yeah. and because Alan said, I we we were all like well-disciplined musicians in the studio. Well, let's we better not do it too long. A solo, right, Keith? Right, right, Alan Jackson, right? Now he goes, no. I mean, when I went out on in the dance halls, I mean, that's when people started dancing. That's why I like. I want those instrumentals to be long, because that's people like to dance. They don't want the song to go short. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's cool. I like that that mentality. But yeah, it's a little different now. It's 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 you know now we just put some woo 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 woo. Mm -hmm. in there instead of the instrumental whoa 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 and a lot of whoa whoa's and ooh oohs it's like cheerleading calls or something mm -hmm. that goes in a song now yeah. there's a lot of great music out there right now just as much as there was then it's just yeah. it's the undercurrent of it you yeah. got to dig down there in the underground and here yeah. you know college so it's just a lot of great you know great bands and stuff that are that are coming up but i mean i always go back and you know listen 
still listen to 70s music, you know, and stuff stems from there anyway. Why not go back and listen to the, where it started? Yeah. Who of your heroes do you still listen to? Well, I mean, I when I grew up, I, I had a, I was talking about the country part, but I, I mean, I listened to Stevie Wonder a lot. It was a lot of soul music I was listening to. And Be Jeff Beck was, a, you know, I loved him. And, you know, on the rock side, I mean, the, you know, ZZ Top and a lot of like Skinner and all that. I mean, I, I like the Southern rock, but I also loved uh, Hendrix and, you know, but mix that all in with Jerry Reed and Roy Nichols and Western Swing. You know, I, I it was like a whole schooling peripheral music thing I had going here. I, I was like really setting myself up to be a studio musician because I had, I was, I kept listening to everything, jazz, yeah. folk, rock, and find a lot of stuff that, you know, whether it was Janice Ian over here, Stevie Wonder over here, and Merle Haggard over here. and We had a lot of records, and Mom and Dad listened to a lot of stuff, too. They had Louis Armstrong, you know, and then they had Conway Twitty, Ray Charles, and, uh, you know, the Beach Boys. So there was, there was a good mixture of stuff, the Beatles, you know. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of guys that just, uh, they, they, they write a song just so they can get to the solo. I, I had a thing with Willie. I figured him because we, you know, I worked with a, a bunch of Willie's records and stuff, and I kind of figured Willie out. When we went to uh, Hollywood to do, we did a Jay Leno thing, and then the Dukes of Hazard soundtrack, you know, and Willie took us out. We did the Dukes of Hazzard. We were set up in the Chinese Theater parking lot and played with bales of hay around. Mm -hmm. And I watched Willie, you know, and he would go, uh, you know, he'd go, uh, Whiskey River, take my mind. And then he'd stop singing real thing and go, and the memory torture me. And they play, and I go, I know, he wants to play guitar. He wants to get the singing out of the way <laughs> so he can pick, because yeah. he loves to play guitar. Yeah. You know, so I noticed that's a lot of times he'll just want to sing, because when he's singing, if he's singing the whole line and like it's supposed to be, he wouldn't have no, any, any room to play. So I, I kind of figured him out. He likes to play guitar in between, so get the lines out of the way. So Merle loves, Merle Haggard was like that too. He wanted to play guitar. Yeah. They, they just love guitar. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Reggie Young had a album release party, and you were at it, mm -hmm. and I was there, and uh, you told a great story about, about Reggie. I wonder if you would, you would share it. Well, I was, I was trying to remember back on when the first times I worked with Reggie, mm -hmm. which was a, a monumental time. Uh, it, and we worked together, not a lot, but enough to where I was being schooled when I sat there. But he, he was so kind and sweet, he would always let, let he goes, you go, go ahead and take solo, you know. Where a lot of times, you know, guitar players are at each other, so it's, I hope he didn't take that solo, man. I'm gonna play, I'm gonna start mine off early and lead into the solo and cut him out. You know, that's, it's a cutthroat kind of business. But Reggie yeah. was always sweet, you know, I guess he, he didn't have anything to prove, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, he goes, I want, okay. And I thought, wow, now Reggie, yeah, I'll play it. And Reggie, I gotta show Reggie what I do. And then, so I, it was, I think it was at Randy Scruggs' studio, and I played, and I play stuff, you know, like, you know, And where do those licks come from? So there were Reggie Young licks. So, so I was going to play, okay, Reggie, I'll take the fills, thank you. And, and what do I play? Reggie Young licks in front of Reggie. <laughs> like, oh, gosh. You know, I know that probably tickled him, but he didn't say anything and embarrassed me because he's so sweet. But. Yeah. Because what else do you play? Yeah. 
when you play a song like, uh, you know, I've been throwing horses. Yeah. It's like you can't play anything else but that lick. Mm -hmm. If you start to go, you know, then it's not the song. Yeah. So that shows you how important a session player is like Reggie. He's, he's part of the sig signature of that song. When he plays licks, they meld into that song, and that's the song. And you yeah. could try to play other things because you want to be your own player, but it just doesn't end in the song. So that proves right there how great Reggie. I think Reggie's the greatest studio player in my book. His licks uh, are still timeless. You can, they're still cool. You can play them, and I think you can play them forever. It'll still be the cool thing to play. <laughs> Let's talk about gear. Okay. <laughs> so let's start with this guitar. So this is this is a you know kind of become an iconic instrument. You know a lot of people you know recognize you and of course also this this guitar. Been a, a lot of guys have uh, have modified their guitars in similar ways with the third. I've been laid and, cigarette smoke in there and yeah. <laughs> Look at all the wonderful a large uh, draft beer <laughs> spilled right there. A Budweiser. Oh. So you, you got you got this guitar when you were playing with Don Kelly, correct? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry about this guitar. It was uh, there was a music store in uh, uh, West? Where was that? Was it Tecumseh? Or what? Tus Tusculum. Yeah. Tusculum. And there was a Hughley, Hughley's Music over there at one time before you okay. came. Yeah. And Don and I went out one day. We weren't going to go in music stores and shop a little bit. Maybe yeah. find us a guitar. Yeah. And we went in there, and there was this. This was hanging on the wall, not with this pick. I mean, it was a yeah. straight up telly. Yeah. <clears throat> stripped off paint. They stripped off the paint, put car primer paint on it, and then mm -hmm. decided, no, nah, I don't want that. Yeah. I'm gonna trade it in for another guitar. <laughs> you know, yeah. a new one, a brand new one, a pretty one. So that was hanging up there, and Don picked this guitar up for him. Okay. And then I, I went for a, this other, this other, uh, like off white telly or something then he, I said I'll get that one and we bought them 300 bucks or something a piece you know um, took him to the gig that night and was playing he was playing this one and I was playing the I go can I play that one <laughs> this one yeah and he goes sure yeah go ahead and, and I, he, he took the the other telly and I go I kind of like this one uh, man I wish I would got this he goes you want that go ahead because he traded them every, about every month anyway. Yeah. He'd get one. He wouldn't have one for more than two or three months, so he would trade it on something else. He's always swapping. Yeah. So I swapped him. I ended up getting this one. That's how I got that one from, uh, it was like in the mid-'80s or whatever. So originally it, it had the regular Telecaster pickups. It had a, you know, a yeah. regular neck pickup yeah. and, and bridge yeah. pickup. No, and the, just yeah, regular stock yeah. pickups. And it had the black pick guard on it? Has that always been on there? Or was I don't think that was on there. I think it was, okay. a, it was a white one or something. How did it start getting modified? So what was the first thing that you did? Okay, to it? first of all, I couldn't afford to uh, 
have more than one guitar. I just, you know, I was getting started. I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my dream would have had been have, have a Strat and a Tele and a Les Paul and a 335 or something. But no, I, you know. So I said, well, I got to make this sound like a Les Paul. So got the Les Paul Mini and Strat in the middle. So it sort of had a Strat sound. You know, I'm putting it on there. It lost its oomph a little bit. Sort of sounds like a Strat. Yeah. Kinda not, you know. But then I found that it worked better as an EQ kind of a, a system. It's like, because sometimes those uh, tellies can be a little bright and have an offensive high end in them. You just you can kind. So this kind of scooped it out a little bit. I find the sweet spot there. It would take that offensive high end shrilly thing out of it. Like I was saying, I put these all in because I couldn't afford to have a Strat, a Les Paul, and a Tele. So I tried to make this because I was playing in a, a gig, and yeah. you know, records have Les Paul on them, or they'd have a Strat, or you know, whatever. So, see, I, I got Seymour Duncan's put in there. Joe Glazer, I said I want this. Joe rigged it up. He came up with that system. You know, this is the old system, where it's just basically a volume knob for this and then whatever whatever switch it's on front or back you can blend that in with it so you got that right. combination and then you still have a regular tone control in the back too yeah still the so, tone controls yeah still works so what what made you decide does. to put a third knob on the guitar instead of uh you know, instead of a switch yeah or, or, or some well i guess well that that kind of defeats but some people uh just instead of having a tone control have the the control for the, the middle pickup i think that's kind of what he he does a lot now. This what? is this is a control for the middle pickup. Right. Volume. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But you but you still wanted to have a tone control. You didn't want to lose your tone. Control. No, no, because yeah. I want to roll off a little bit. You yeah. know, I mean. Yeah. It, it depends on what amp you're in. You know, sometimes yeah. it's uh, the treble gets a little uh, wanky. You know. Yeah. That's not too bad, but that's a sweet amp. Yeah. But right, right in there, it's you know, it's got still got the it's still got the the, yeah. the wiry thing, but yeah. it took out that. Yeah, it softened it that up a little bit. That uh, treble, yeah. Let us hear the uh, the neck pickup on there. Oh. It's got you know. Um, Strat pickup by itself? Uh, yeah, I, I don't anymore. It, it seems to have lost its volume. It's becoming less important to me than it used to. It's pretty toy guitar sound. That's just that's just the because yeah. it doesn't matter. It's just a volume for that. It knows no other. <laughs> knows one thing yeah see yeah it's out, right of the, it's out of the picture yeah because that's a three-way switch that's only connected right. to the outer two pickups and you have right. the volume turned off on those two and so you're that's why we're only hearing the 
the middle one and nothing else right. is happening. That's exactly right. That's exactly I right. I could have said it better myself. Yeah. And so the, uh, the these are Spurzel machine heads. When did the, uh, so did you, I guess the old machine heads weren't working well? Or? Well, it just, uh, I had a, uh, this was a dumb idea. I put a Kaler bar in there one time. And yes. I had Joe put it in there because I, you know, I want to do all the, you know, yeah. stuff without doing that. Yeah. And that was the stupidest thing I ever did done and and uh, because it lost all its sustain and I was doing the American music shop at the time and I thought I hate this so I had Joe take that off and it was it's easier on the tuning these because all you know these spirits of KZ this right tighten it yes. up the tension all the way and then screw it in then you don't have right. a lot of wrappings around right. there and it's faster yes it's, it still sounded good sound you know fine uh, I took that off, but I've still kept these because I like to slap strings on real quick. One breaks, you, you don't have to wrap them around, cut them right. off, and wind them. And right, they're just they're so uh, practical and easy. Yeah. And um, I'm guessing this these extra holes are from the uh, from from the old <laughs> bullet uh, holes. No, <laughs> they're from the old uh, uh, vibrato. Tree, yeah, some some yeah. misplaced trees. Yeah, and then string. you, you uh, moved the uh, this the string tree up closer to the because it, it normally would have been around here where there's still holes. Yeah, but the, moved it up there. Was that because you wanted more tension on those strings, or is that just where uh, it ended up I being? think I think uh, that's where I think Joe put it there. Uh, they were they were coming. I don't know. I seemed like I was they were popping out a lot. I don't I don't know. And what gauge strings do you use? Uh, these are tens. A brand preference? Uh, a Diodario. Doesn't seem like I have to change them as much, and I yeah. love that because yeah. there's nothing more yeah, I hate to do is change the strings, but yeah. they, they seem to last longer. Then the balance and the tension is real good on them. Yeah. And at what point did you put the the B bender on there? Right at the early 90s, I think, or 93 maybe. I was doing, there was a lot of records that had string, they, they wanted string bending stuff on it. Uh, you know, that, and I was going. You know, and they were killing me. You know, I was having to do that, and it was like, well, that's a, that's a G, I don't have a G bender, but, yeah. it, but I thought, you know, it just, it just made, it was a cool. I could do cooler licks. I like you know, fake steel guitar licks. It was fun. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I put it in there. And Joe, you know, had a, I, I didn't want to route out too much of the wood. So he said, no, it's just about, it's just about 1% of the wood comes. It's just a little path, you know. And I thought, oh, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't want to, because I remember those, what were the big ones with the, the Parsons? Why Parsons, you know, the looked like you, it was like another guitar was yeah. bolted to it in the back. Yeah. It was like, like Marty I, Stewart's guitar. Yeah, yeah. Marty's. Yeah. <clears throat> so this, this works. It's, and that's the, uh, the one that's the original. He's, he's uh, improvised, I mean, uh, improved him, I think, somehow. Yeah. But this is still the old B-Bender, Joe B-Bender. At what point did you buy this guitar? What was uh... Oh, like I said, it was, I think it was around 83, 84, yeah. 83, late 83, winter. Yeah. So this has been 84. your main guitar for you know, most of your career. Yeah. 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 It has. It's starting to lose wood. Yeah. <laughs> How's there any wood going to be left on it? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, it's getting to where I don't even want to really take it out of the house. It's like an old person, you know, you yeah. know, come out of the house. Yeah. You stay on there and you just rest, okay? <laughs> just rest a little There's bit. your room. Yeah. What's special about the sound of this guitar? Is it the feel, the sound, what is well, it? Well, I, I, you know, first of all, it's it's a swamp ash wood. And, okay. you know, the swamp ash wood was, has been floating around in a swamp, you know, for a while. So it's it's perforated. 
which I think contributes to its warm, fat sound because there's an acoustic quality to it because of those that yeah. the woods, you know, and perforated. It, yeah, and it ends up being lighter. Lighter, yeah, that so too. Yeah, so it doesn't weigh a ton. Yeah, so, so. I mean, it's, it's it's swamp ash and, and uh, seasoned yeah. <laughs> for sure with beer and smoke, like I said, and, and yeah. uh, just aged. And, uh, you know, the playability of it and stuff. How many times have you had it refretted? Oh, probably, you know, maybe 10 times or 10, 11 times. I don't know. That's a lot. Yeah, that For is a really, lot. I don't, I don't know what, what a proper refret yeah. thing would be, but. So you've got a, a pedal board here. Uh, so you have a couple of pedal boards and you, you kind of run through different things depending on, uh, you know, what kind of, you know, gig you're playing. I found an interview where you'd indicated that the uh, the the, uh, the EQ pedal was very was very important to you as far as you know, you know your your sound and playing sessions. Is that still the case? It is. This one has been my go-to one. I see more guys use these too. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm cause of that, but I yeah. I just think guitar players are finding out they're very uh, practical and and then friendly guitar. This one, the analog man was. Uh, kind of uh, tweaked on a little bit, made it a little sweeter, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I use that just mainly because maybe I'm plugging in an amp that might need a little more mid-range or something. That's all, it's got the, freak, uh, the friendly frequencies, I think, that are akin to a, a guitar or a telly. And if, if there's a Les Paul or something, maybe, maybe I'll cut out some low mid or something in it, and you can notch that out a little bit. Yeah. It just depends on what mic they're using one day, if they're using a mic that's more honky or bulky, yeah. I might just tone it down here in the 250 or something. So when you're listening in your, in your headphones, then you'll you'll just yeah. make some adjustments yeah, and it's, there it's, it's, in, in the mix. You know, and I got freedom. Of course, there's an EQ on the amp, of course, but yeah. you can really uh, micromanage a little bit more of the frequencies that way. And I don't need yeah. anything. You know, they used to, I used to try the parametric. It was just, it was too much vast changing in the tone, you know, it's yeah. like, it just didn't sound natural. This this sounds more minimal. It's a minimal kind of thing, but it's still important. You can get the general frequency, the unfriendly frequency out. Compression is another you know, effect that's kind of been, you know, part of uh, your your toolbox. And I guess it has been for most, you know, most guitar players. But I guess in this day and age, there's kind of somewhat over compression going on. So I, I see people using a little bit less of it to some degree, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah. Um, well, they all started out with those Dynacomps, you know, and you could stay clean and get the sustain, and it was kind of like uh, really served its purpose with single coil pickups mm -hmm. because you could, you know, this it's on. This this one has a clean blend, and and uh, so you don't lose that airy high when you. A lot of them you kick them on, and the sort of scoops out the high, the nice sweet high end because it's compressed. See, and this tube amp is already self compresses, you know, and it's it's yeah. like you really don't need them. Yeah. I think a lot of those compressors really back in the day where they were using solid state amps and stuff, mm -hmm. where there wasn't natural compression for tubes, that the, the yeah. The Dynacomps really enhanced them a little bit. Yeah. Th these don't really need them as much. Now I use it, if you, you can really put it on there if you want to attack, you know, like. Yeah. 
gives it sustain. Yeah. And it doesn't, this, I'm blending in a little of the clean tone. Yeah. You know, adds the airy high back in, yeah. into it so you can put the natural sound back yeah. into the compression and, and adjust it to your liking. And you've got a couple of drive boxes. You've got the, yeah. the dude and the sparkle drive, and then uh, you've got your. Uh... Just make it loud and louder. Yeah. 10 and what, 12, was it 11? That goes to 11. Yeah, yeah and I always, it seems like I always use more distort, uh, different distortion pedals than anything, because I might kick one on one day and that, that sounds right for today. Yeah. And then, then I'll go to another studio and go, that one just sucks today. I don't know what, but now, let's try the sparkle drive. Let's, the hot wire sounds good today. That's pretty good though. This is a, I like this little deep thing on this. It's got a nice, it, it's a, it rolls in some of those sweet things I hate, but that rolls in a nice fat thing. If you got an open back amp, it, it gives you a little low end push, you know, that a closed back would give you, you know, with that. You can roll it in, then you can get a dumble sound out of that dude, the dude. That's a good, that's a good, sounds good today. You got the hot wired pedal, you got a volume pedal, tuner, a tremolo, uh, looks like a type of yeah, rotos, spin, spinning, chorusy. Stuff you could really overuse. But it, but, but it sounds cool to kick it in on a little part, you know, if you're playing a song and then you Now, if you used it all down a session, you'd <laughs> yeah. Don't call him, he uses that thing, and it's like wearing he's wearing us out with it. Don't, okay, and then uh, don't you've even. got a delay. So don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. Then you've got this right. uh, TC yeah, delay. Yeah, the delay, you know. Well, I just got that, and I put that in there. I mean, uh, I, I switch out delays a lot. Yeah. And that's just different. I could preset something on here. It's got a nice, uh, that's good for chords. Sometimes... I'm still messing with that, but it's good for chords, you know. Nice. You know, it's, it's cool. Sure. I mean, it's dreamy. It's dreamy. to think back on your life <laughs> and think it's only a dream it's a dream kids <laughs> all right so that's that sound how long have you had this uh this blackface deluxe reverb hmm i think i got that off a of red vocar okay he sold some fender amps out of his garage and i bought most of them i think that's where i got it nice i'm well but you can't you tell know. me that? You, you were answering all my other no, questions. No, no, I'm not. Uh, you know, when I, did I, I get that? <laughs> so, you know, you just go to Red Volcar's that Man, that's a magical lamp. I don't know. Red was another you know, Don Kelly, uh, you know, alumnus. Yeah. So was was Red an influence on you as far as his playing or tone, or was he just kind of a peer and, and he was selling some amps? Or Oh, no, I knew Red. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't know him of when I was 
you know, I, I, I think I just got to know Red after he had joined Don's okay. band, you know, yeah. it was cool. I didn't know, really know him before that. Okay. Was he, uh, I guess he joined Don Kelly's band a after you at some point? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it was, okay. it was after me. Because yeah. I, I think I might have been the first yeah. guy to join, you know, start the, the chain. <laughs> <laughs> the insanity. Yeah, the insanity. How, how many songs would you estimate that you've recorded with this amp? I mean, how many hits? Oh, it's a lot of them. I did, um. A lot of Brooks and Dunn. We'll burn that bridge when we get there. Yeah. That was that one. And um, that was just for one. Yeah. Most Alan Jackson like, uh, yeah. Summertime Blues. Yeah, it was that one. And also used the Blackface Twin on that, like, Love of the Waitress. I had that one in this set beside. And then I, everything was going like, Stereo, you know, like big Eggnator cabinets and stuff like that back then, and Bogner cabinets, and it was going for the big. <laughs> so I kind of got rid of that and got some. When I got a rack mounted thing, and then I sort of scooted that aside, and I, and I just kind of like re, re discovered it again after a while that you know that damn thing sounds good. Yeah, I'm, that's what I'm using, you know, using. So, but but the original speaker that was in was a Blue Jensen. Man, it sounded beautiful, and then it just got worn out. Mm -hmm. It just, you know, you couldn't recone. It wasn't going to sound the same, you know. You know how they sound beautiful before, right before they go? Right. <laughs> and that, that's what happened. They're perfectly worn in and yeah, then they get like, worn out. Ah, yeah. it's gone. Yeah. Like that, poof. Life's over. But I put a, uh, uh, a warehouse speaker in there. Okay. And man, it's really versatile. It's sweetened out nicely. Yeah. Uh, 30 in there. So it's and like it's a, real versatile. It's yeah. it's amazing what that thing will sound like. You know, if you if you hear it, you know everybody wants to see. Where's your big amps, man? Yeah. This is a big record. <laughs> and a lot of times you'll have that back there, and they go, "That's it. That's the sound." I said, "Nope, it's this." Yeah. Use your ears, not your eyes. Yeah. You, I, I notice I hear a lot of guys talking to the players. Oh, I'm going back to this Princeton, or I'm going back to this. You know, it just sounds like a guitar. That's why yeah. they go back. That's what a guitar is supposed to sound like. So is this your main grab and go, you know, amp? Yeah, this, and you know, that's that's the great thing about it. It's easy to carry. Yeah, sounds great. And it gets but loud. It's enough. old. It's yeah. old. It gets loud, and you know, you got to get serviced a lot. Yeah. So, but I love that amp. Brent, let's let's talk about a couple other your guitars. So this is a like uh, maybe this one. What? Maybe <laughs> maybe that one. Here it is. Yeah, it reappeared. Look at it. Yeah. So what what year is this nice looking? This is six, This is sixty eight. Uh, I love 335s. Yeah. You know, they got a nice, fat, woody tone. But it's got... It's just got great. It's a little bright now, but I mean, it's just because I'm too lazy to get up and turn the treble off. It's great, you know, put a little tremolo on it. Whoa. Beautiful sound. <laughs> Lovely. So this was a signature yeah, model that uh, you did with PRS for a couple of years. You know who was, oh, last night was telling me, uh, Randy Coors and Robbie Turnson, man, I thought uh, this thing really sounded good when you plugged it in. I said, it was like, boom, there it was, that that tone right there. I go, really? Because I thought, you know, the, the telly would take precedence over that. 
this this seems like a guitar that you could you know cover some of the same ground as some of the Les yeah. Paul and some of the Strat type things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know it's got it's got to be of sound. You can, and you can use the if you want to do some of that dreamy stuff. cool but yeah this there's these uh, double coil uh, you can switch down here but this this somebody said this is a great guitar for playing live because it does a lot of things yeah so in the studio yeah could you could use it I use it a lot on if I'm doing some kind of solos you know where then got a good sound for that you know where you double it up and It's great, great, great solo guitar for ballads and stuff, screaming ballads. It's good. It's cool. It's a, so the crunch you would use for some of the, the dreamier stuff, the rockabilly type stuff. Yeah, it's got. You know, it's great for the. Thank you so much for uh, for agreeing to uh, to let us come to your home and uh, and tell your story. It was a thrill. Uh, just a note to all the the viewers out there that you give Skype guitar lessons. And so if a if a guy wants to <laughs> learn from Brent Mason, they can contact you. And how do how do they contact you? Uh, well, through my web uh, Facebook or okay. website uh, www.brentmason.com. Yeah. So and then then they can um, they can play stump Brent and they can you know yeah, ask, they, ask you to play. It's been pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Be, it's become a good thing, and so I thought I, I like to do some more of these. It's kind of cool teaching yeah. kids. I mean, well, ki there's kids too, but I mean yeah. teaching anybody that wants to broaden their horizons and learn more guitar. Yeah. So I've been doing that. It's kind of good. And you can sit around. You know, I can do it barefooted in my swimming trunks. Yeah. <laughs> And a cut-off tank top and go, hey, yeah. what do you want to learn? Yeah, what do you want to learn? And then I'll go down and make a sandwich and then... Yeah. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to do some more of those. And, well, I am going to do some more of those. So. Yeah. Well, very nice. Thank you, Brent, for being on the show. Well, thanks, man. Thank it's, you. A, it's a cool show, and I'm glad that I finally got to do it. So. Well, I'm glad It's we an could awesome show. I've watched and, it and enjoy it. Well, it's been an honor to have you and an honor huh. to get to tell your Thank story. You. You're welcome. Thank you, Brent. This has been an audio presentation by True Tone. TrueTone.com.